You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Doctor's Lounge. Once again, Karuchak, your host for this week. Thanks so much for being with us at your service for the next hour. No, you are not having a bad dream. Dr. K is hosting for two weeks in a row, but that's okay. Don't panic. Just nod politely for the next hour, and the next thing you know, Dr. Hal will be back with a guest, and all will be right with the world. So thanks for sticking with me two weeks in a row. Uh, we got neat stuff to talk about. First, we're going to get into uh, just some random thoughts. Uh, I'm going to try to open every show now with just stuff that I've picked off the web, interesting things before we get into our very meaty topic today, which will be the topic of online reviews for physicians. So as we approach the topic uh, it's the holiday season, and I remind you all once again that the holiday season for docs is very different than the holiday season for everybody else. And at the risk of sounding like a broken record, the reason for that is, once again, because of perverse incentives created by a third-party payment system. Because we have this system of deductibles and that most people's deductibles renew on January 1st, most if not every doctor you know is scrambling like mad to keep up with an incredible amount of patient demand for two reasons. One is patients are coming in because they want to get care before their deductibles renew. And the second is that any work you don't get done before December, it's going to be crickets in January when all those deductibles renew. So it once again creates a very difficult situation to manage where in December we don't have enough personnel and enough space and enough staff to keep up with demand. And then in January, there's lots of space, lots of people, and not enough to do. Just yet another problem when you create a third-party payer system for every single part of healthcare, including the elective non-emergent parts. And we get patients in now saying, I've paid my deductible, I want to get everything done. Or if there's the slightest possibility I need that extra test or that procedure, I want you to do it, doc. And so patients drive themselves to overutilize. Um, yet another problem. Uh, other things I've discovered in the last week. Uh, one was an article that's getting a lot of attention in physician social media. Uh, and when I tell you the subject, that will not surprise you. It's uh, the latest and greatest statistics on malpractice suits and physicians and which specialties are most likely to be sued and what are the most likely reasons to be sued for malpractice. So what do you think of the top two? Well, if you'd guess OBGYN like we all know, well, you'd be right about that one. Uh, I always carried in my mind that uh, OBGYNs and neurosurgeons were the highest risk, and it turns out I'm right about one of those and wrong about another. It turns out that tied with OBGYNs is general surgeons. Uh, This was a survey that asked the question, have you been sued? A yes puts you in the numerator, right? So 85% of OBGYNs say they've been sued or named in a lawsuit. Turns out it's the same number for general surgeons, 85%. Coming in tied for second place is my specialty and Dr. Hal's specialty, uh, urology and otolaryngology. Actually, otolaryngology, sorry, Hal beat you on this one. I know you'll be brokenhearted, but otolaryngology has a 78% 
self-reported malpractice rate. Urology is only 77%, so I'm sure Hal's happy to be beaten with that one. Uh, and then orthopedics comes in at 76%, and then they all kind of trail off after that. But uh, I was surprised at this study for two reasons. One is I didn't see neurosurgeons anywhere in the top seven or eight, uh, and that my own specialty, otolaryngology, is now you know in the second tier where you've got the two uh, you know general surgeon OBGYN in the mid-80s and otolaryngology and urology in the mid to high 70s along with orthopedics. So interesting numbers. What do you suppose? Oh, by the way, the overall rate, right? All physicians surveyed, all specialties is 55%. So that means across the board, regardless of what kind of doctor your favorite doctor is, um, it is more likely that he or she has been sued than if they haven't. Very sobering statistic. Uh, we haven't talked a lot about malpractice reform uh, in the last several months because we've been really fired up about direct primary care, and that's good. But um, good to return to these statistics when they become available. The most common reason for doctors to be sued is a delay in diagnosis, and that comes as no surprise to anybody. That's 31% of lawsuits delay in diagnosis. Close behind that at 27% is complications from surgery or complications from non-surgical treatment. So no surprise there. Second and final random thought before we get into online reviews of doctors comes from an article written by the dean of Stanford University Medical School in California who has finally figured out that uh, the unmet promise of electronic health records is one of the major reasons for doctor burnout and that physicians must lead the charge to improve electronic health records. Wow, that's brilliant. Nothing gets past those guys at Stanford. They are absolutely brilliant. The reason I bring this up, uh, with all the sarcasm aside, is that you know we talk about who the enemies of quality care are, who the people who threaten the doctor-patient relationship, and we talk about the legislators and the regulators and the insurance companies and the big hospitals and the networks and all those things, and we've talked about that ad nauseum. But once again, we need to remind ourselves that organized medicine is on this list as well. The AMA, the American Academy of Family Practitioners, most surgical subspecialty societies, including my own specialty, uh, and uh, that the, these folks, through 99% ignorance, 1% malice and self-serving approaches, uh, it, it doesn't know what's going on and is not helping their physician constituents take care of patients as well as we can. Uh, and it's really sad that, that they're just figuring out now that EMRs are a problem. Uh, I'm, I'm glad they've admonished physicians to take the lead. Hello, we've been doing this for, what, uh, eight or nine years now? Um, really kind of pathetic. Um, what can I say? All right, well, enough of that. Let's get into the topic of the day, which is online ratings of doctors. You're all familiar with this, right? We know of all of these different places that you can find quality ratings of physicians. Uh, you can find them on Google, HealthGrades, Yelp, RateMDs, Kudzu. There's dozens and dozens of other ones. Those are kind of the top five, uh, and they are becoming popular. And this is the first lesson for those of you in the audience who are physicians. And, and by the way, this topic is really relevant not just to docs. Don't tune this out if you're not a physician because I'm going to go over some things which as patients using these online rating systems, you need to know and you need to understand. So the first thing for docs to understand is these things are becoming more and more popular. 
Uh, latest data I could find doing research for the show, 84%. 84% of patients will use online reviews to choose which doctor they call to schedule an appointment. And 47% of folks would go out of network, which means they're willing to pay significantly more money to see a what they perceive as a good doctor or a better doctor based on online ratings. So we used to, I used to, uh, even as a someone who prides themselves with a social media savvy, health IT savvy, internet savvy, etc., etc., kind of used to poo-poo these online reviews, but uh, no more, not for me. And I admonish you to do the same, uh, to, to give these things the respect that they deserve, at least in terms of their influence. Not necessarily respect them for their validity, because we're going to get into that, but respect them for their influence. Uh, because uh, this is uh, this is a very significant thing. So before we get very deep into this, first a disclaimer: um, I am not bashing online ratings because mine are bad. My own personal ratings are bad. This is not a sour grapes thing. So the first thing we're going to do, so that my conversation over this hour has some credibility, is to tell you what my online ratings are, and they're good. Uh, and I've had patients come in several over the past few months and say, yeah, looked you up, Dr. Kruchek, saw your ratings were good online, so I picked up the phone and called, and here I am. So this system is actually, I think, helping me a little bit. I mean, I have no way of knowing for sure because I don't know who's not calling me. But uh, it, but I do have patients coming through the door saying that when they look, my online ratings are good, and as a result, here they are in my exam room. So uh, my online ratings for Google is a 4.4 out of 5 stars. Uh, on Yelp, it's a perfect five. All the ratings on Yelp are a five. Uh, and for health grades, which is the biggest one, uh, my rating is 4.2 out of five. So that puts me in a zone where you wouldn't avoid me because it's bad. You might not, uh, you know, find, you know, drive 100 miles to see me because it's so great. But it's certainly a position I'm in where I'm not doing a case of sour grapes over the, uh, over the online rating system. I'm not pulling a Hillary Clinton here and making excuses or, or, or saying that the system that would that it was rating me badly is unfair. None of that's going on. Uh, I will tell you, though, that not all of them are great. Um, on Kudzu, I have a two-star review. Uh, it is the only review I have on Kudzu. And, and this, is the, uh, this is the interesting thing that's hard to figure out is that when you look at doctors' ratings, and I looked at mine, of course, I looked at several other doctors, some of whom I know that are fellow ENTs and some that I don't, um, and the pattern of ratings is very interesting. They tend to gather at the extremes. You see a lot of fives and you see a lot of ones. Now, to me, it's very difficult for the same doctor to be getting a whole bunch of five-star ratings and a few one-star ratings and nothing in between, and this be the same doc, whether it's me or somebody else, uh, that's that's getting these reviews. It, it's, it's impossible for it to be the same doctor if this rating system were valid. If you look at the top-rated ear, nose, and throat doctors in Atlanta on kudzu, uh, you find that five out of six of those doctors, like me, only have one review. So clearly that's not statistically valid. You can't have one review for seven or eight doctors, and some of those docs get five stars, and some of those docs get one star. Very few docs get anything in between. Um, there's no statistical relevance to that, but, but it, it's, it's easy for, to forget that when you're surfing the web and you're looking for the best doc you can find. 
and for my own ratings, it's difficult to reconcile, you know, several ratings and comments that hey, say, hey, Dr. Kruchek's great. Uh, you know, we had a good experience. My scar is invisible. You know, he's the only doc I'll ever see. Uh, I, he, he was the only doc who could figure out what was wrong with me. He was the only doc who found the right diagnosis and was able to fix me. I'll never see another ENT besides Dr. Kurichak. And then you go to a different site in a different place and it says, Dr. K is the worst doctor ever. Right, all of those are about direct quotes. So hard to reconcile why, how the same person, whether it's me or somebody else, could have such divergent ratings. And we're going to look at that in a fair amount of detail here. I will also add that my one horrible rating on kudzu uh, is all the way back from 2008. There have been no ratings for me on kudzu for the last nine years. Uh, kudzu lists an address for me that is 15 years out of date. And when you look at other ENT docs, at least, you find that, that there are very few ENT doctors on kudzu that have ratings that are less than five or six years old. Most of them are nine or ten years old like mine are. So uh, very interesting thing. And then the same thing happens on the high side. I told you that I've got five out of five stars on Yelp. Well, guess what? There's only three reviews. So on both the favorable side and the unfavorable side, we see that there's not nearly enough reviews for anybody to draw any meaningful conclusions, whether it's good or bad. We'll get into this much more deeply in the next segment. You're listening to The Doctor's Lounge on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Obamacare is failing, but in order to get back on the right track with health policy, people need to be informed. Obamacarewatch.org is your resource to understand what's happening with this law and what you can do to stay active, stay informed, and make positive change happen. Obamacarewatch.org. Visit us now. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
Welcome back to the Doctor's Lounge. Karuchek, your host, at your service for the next 45 minutes. Thanks so much for spending time with us in the Doctor's Lounge on America's Web Radio. Remember, the show is available on America's Web Radio live Thursday mornings or available as podcast. Uh, Whatever works for you certainly works for us. So we are discussing the subject of online doctor rating systems, and I started the conversation by putting my own ratings under the microscope. I do that with a little fear and trepidation and I and I because I am serving the ba- sharing I should say the bad with the good uh because I want you to understand as we talk about this and I make my criticisms that this is not a sour grapes thing this is not a making excuses like Hillary Clinton thing saying that the system is unfair right now online ratings appear to be serving me well. Uh, I have patients who come in and say they like the ratings they see, and because of that, they're in my exam room, uh, and that's good. But if we're going to have a conversation about this, we need to talk about all of these things, all aspects of the problem. So I'm not quite done putting my own ratings under the microscope. Um, let's look at my Google ratings. Google has me at 4.4 stars out of a possible five. But if you dig down into that, what you find is four people rated me a five. One person rated me at a two, and again, we talked about this last segment. There are very much extremes in the ratings. You don't see a lot of threes, and you don't see a lot of fours. You see fives and ones and a few twos, uh, which makes sense in a way because people are passionate about their medical experiences. If they, it's, it's rare to find somebody who says they had a blasé experience unless their problem was very, very minor. Uh, but, but let's look at the, let's look at the bad rating. What about this person who only rated me a 2 out of 5? Well, they left some comments, so let's review those. Long wait time. Guilty as charged. Uh, That's because I spend as much time with every patient as they need. I don't watch the clock. Um, That's both good and bad. Here's the big thing. They had to pay for parking because they said, hey, nice doctors. The doctors were knowledgeable, attentive, good bedside manner. So all this stuff's good things about me, right? I mean, we would think these are the things that are important. But the final sentence was, I will never go back because I had to pay for parking. So interesting what the priorities are in in patients. And I'm not saying this reflects all patients who give bad ratings to docs. But it's interesting what people seize on to, to give a negative rating in spite of the fact that I was a nice guy, I was knowledgeable, I was attentive, a good bedside manner. I mean, that all sounds like five coming down the pike to me, but no. For the parking, we lose the battle for that patient. So interesting stuff. So let's move on to what some of the, some of the respected sources in, uh, in consumer ratings and, and, and online ratings of other things, besides doctors, uh, have to say about things. So we'll start with a consumer reports review. And again, the last time we talked about consumer reports, uh, we were not very happy. Consumer reports had written this long essay about how bad doctors were and how frequently it was that doctors were on drugs on the job, were horribly incompetent and getting sued like crazy, uh, all this kind of things. And we bashed that pretty good. I think that was back in the spring. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was back in the spring of this year, but it may be farther back than that. So it's not like we're loving Consumer Reports or they're loving docs, but they did highlight a research report that was published in uh, JAMA, Journal of the American Medical Association, in February of 2017, this year, that studied online ratings in three cities, Boston, Dallas, and Portland, Oregon. 
just looking at what online reviews look like. So what did we find? We found that one-third of the docs in each of those towns, or at least in the aggregate in total, one-third of the docs didn't have any reviews at all. Uh, most of the remaining two-thirds only had one review. Uh, but of the folks who, who had a review, the median number of reviews was seven. So what does that – you put all that together, what does it say? It says that most doctors only had one review, but of the doctors who had a lot of reviews, they had a ton of reviews. And so it drags the median, the average, up to seven, even though most doctors only had one. So that's kind of complicated statistics that you have to infer there. But the bottom line is – Online rating systems, according to this study, were not very good because the vast majority of physicians don't have enough reviews to take the randomness of the reviews out to, to make the aggregate of reviews valid. Even seven reviews, the median number of reviews for docs that had reviews was seven. And we're going to go into later on why seven is not nearly enough reviews to make a judgment about whether a doc's a good doc or a bad doc. So Consumer Reports was very candid and straightforward and clear about all this, that online reviews of doctors, uh, if you're using that in context of other ways to look at docs, fine. But if that's the only method you use, you're going to get led down the wrong path. So that's number one. Number two is a article just written in the Washington Post, uh, December 2nd, so just a few days ago, uh, looking at what uh, what folks who wrote online reviews, what they valued what was it? What were the basis of online reviews, both good and bad? And not surprisingly, they emphasized customer service over true quality of care. So what were they looking at? Appointment scheduling, office comfort, staff friendliness, wait time, which is baffling to me in a way because that's not the stuff that I necessarily – think is important. And maybe that's educational. Maybe that's something that, that we docs should take to heart. Maybe that's a message from patients to docs to what they see as important versus what doctors see as important. What we see as important is get the diagnosis right the first time. Now, if somebody comes in with a stuffy nose, you've got to look for the anatomy problems like the deviated septum. You also have to look for the allergy problems. You've got to keep your antenna up for the occasional weird thing like a tumor benign and really growing and causing an obstruction. All these things. The, the idea is you need to get the correct diagnosis as fast as you can, and that should almost always happen on the first appointment. Now, you might not figure out everything in that first appointment, but there should be pretty good quality performance that says, I can look you over, have a conversation with you over a few minutes, examine you, have some more conversation, and be correct 90% of the time as to what your diagnosis is by the end of the first visit. And yet, nobody mentions that. When, when, when they rate doctors well, they don't say, got the diagnosis right the first time, or they rate the diagnosis badly. Interestingly, circling back, we find that that's why doctors get sued for failing to get the diagnosis right the first time, but it doesn't show up in online ratings. Interesting contrast. The other thing the Washington Post uh, article stated, again, correctly, and I, and I repeat this again because you hear this from multiple sources. Everyone agrees who looks at this. There are not nearly enough ratings for each doctor to make any sort of statistically sound conclusion about whether that doctor is a three-star doctor or a five-star doctor or a one-star doctor. In general, you know, the one, two, three, four reviews per doc that you see is meaningless. There is no quality parameter 
that patients recognize in online five-star ratings that says, was the doctor overutilizing? Was the doctor pushing me toward surgery when I didn't need it? You, you might read that in an occasional comment, but you never see it hitting the star ratings. So um, let's look next at a couple of studies um, that are a bit more hardcore. These these really start looking at statistics and numbers and trying to figure out do online ratings have anything to do, anything to do with true quality in a physician. So the first study we'll look at um, was published recently in the Journal of the American Medical Informatics Association. That's a mouthful. Uh, this looked at um, online ratings of physicians versus true objective measures of quality. Now, you can argue that, that neither online ratings nor what they're calling objective measures of quality are valid. But if all of this is working well, then, then relatively different methods of measurement should agree that would support both methods, that they should be identifying the same group of docs as lousy docs, the same group of docs as average docs, and the same group of docs as outstanding and good docs. And it turns out that doesn't happen. Right. For the objective measures, they were looking at 30-day readmissions, length of stay, cost of care, peer reviews, administrator reviews. You could argue none of those are valid either. But the bottom line is there was no correlation whatsoever from a statistical standpoint. You put the numbers to it, you find that there's no relationship between what your star rating is online versus what your quality rating is by a completely different method. Right, the readmission rate, length of stay, cost of care, peer reviews, etc. The second study gets even more statistically hardcore and looked at only one specialty, cardiac surgeons. This was published in the Journal of Medical Internet Research in December of 2016. So they took 614 cardiac surgeons in five states and mapped their online ratings against their 30-day risk-adjusted mortality rate. So this one's a bit cleaner because, you know, there's no question if, you, if you're familiar with that data, and I don't profess to be totally familiar with it, but that a risk-adjusted 30-day mortality rate is at least one reasonable parameter to measure a cardiac surgeon's performance. So the question is, did it match? Did the online ratings match or correlate with the uh, cardiac surgeon's 30-day risk-adjusted mortality rate? Turns out it does not. Um, High-quality care does not translate into high online ratings. It's got nothing to do with it. The best surgeons in terms of 30-day risk-adjusted mortality rate did not get better online ratings from patients than the ones that did not do so well. So the bottom line, after you do all your research, is that online ratings of doctors stink. Our rating of the rating is that they only get one star. The online rating system of rating doctors is itself a poor quality method. It only gets one star. Why is that? For several reasons, and some of these we've already hit, but we're going to put them all in a list for you. This was nicely summarized in an article, and then I've kind of added some of my own points to it. So number one is even in 2017, late 2017, heading towards 2018, there are not enough reviews 
of any single individual physician to be able to draw any meaningful conclusions. You cannot look in an online rating system for me or anybody else and look at one bad rating like I have on Kudzu or three perfect fives like I have on Yelp or something in between like I have on Google's and health grades and say that there's any that, that there's near, anywhere near enough data to draw any conclusion about whether I or anybody else is a good doctor, a mediocre doctor or a crappy doctor. If you look at the if you look at statistical methods and I know just enough about this to be dangerous. So I'm going to say up front, if there's a statistician listening and I get some of this wrong, let me know. And, and I'll try and research and make it right. But um, you need, you know, in a, in a, if you're comparing two doctors and you're trying to figure out if the four-star doctor is any different than the five-star doctor, you need at least 25 ratings per doctor. And I, that's just one source that I'm quoting. Now, I did my own statistical review, and I discovered it's, it's actually even worse than that. So we're at the end of the segment. We're going to pick up talking about statistics some more. You're listening to The Doctor's Lounge on America's Web Radio. Stay with us. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Obamacare is failing. We all know that, but you need to know why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. This is Grace Marie Turner of the Galen Institute. Join us at ObamacareWatch.org. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctor's conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. This is Dr. George. Join me Wednesday mornings at 9 o'clock for Medicine on Call. Learn strategies to protect you and your family in the age of Obamacare. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Doctor's Lounge. Karuchak, your host for two weeks in a row. For those of you who are Dr. Hal fans, and I include myself among those, let not your heart be troubled, as Sean Hannity says. He will be back next week with a guest. You'll be able to hear two talking heads instead of one. So just... Bear with me for another 30 minutes, and Dr. Howe will be, uh, will be back next week. So we were talking about uh, online doctor ratings, and we had just in the second segment sort of re- uh, done a scholarly review of the literature, if you will, uh, looking at both sort of overview articles from respected sources like Consumer Reports uh, down to some nitty-gritty statistics which demonstrate that online ratings have no correlation with 
more objective evaluations of who's a good doc and who isn't. And one of those studies was a little nebulous. The other one was very specific, very tight, looked just at cardiac surgeons, one objective quality rating, and the online ratings. And then we had begun at the end of the last segment, we're going to finish this job here in segment three, is to talk about why online ratings uh, themselves don't rate very well. And we were into the first major point was that there's, from a statistical standpoint, there is no single doctor out there who has enough reviews to draw any statistically valid conclusions about whether that doctor is a five-star doctor or a four-star doctor or a three or two or a one. And I had quoted you at the end of the segment one source who said, if you run the statistics, you need at least 25 ratings for each of two doctors to be able to compare them and figure out which doctors got more stars truly. And I did some statistical research and used what little statistical knowledge I have. And uh, again, as I said at the end of the last segment, I'm not a professional statistician. I do not profess to have that level of knowledge. Um, This may be a situation where a little knowledge is dangerous, but I kind of crunched some numbers and figured out it may be more than 25, that if you really want to tell a four-star doctor from a five-star doctor, you need almost 70 reviews per physician, depending on how far apart they are. I mean, that's to tell a four from a five. Now, if you want to tell a one from a five, it's probably a lot less. But the average doctor rating out there is in the mid-fours, kind of like mine. And so to be able to tell you know, a 4.2 doctor or a 4.4 doctor from a five, you're going to need at least 70 reviews, if not more, to be able to split hairs that tight. And so, you know, if the, if the, again, by different methods, we say one needs 25, one needs 70, but the average number of ratings that any given physician has who has ratings, so we're, we're taking out all the zero ratings, is seven. And seven's not nearly enough. You look at, again, we can circle back to my data. I've got, what, four or five? I've got five reviews on Google, one review on Kudzu, three reviews on Yelp. And I've got, I do have 36 reviews on health grades. So maybe health grades, what is that, a 4.2 or 4.4? I forget, I don't have it in front of me, but uh, that may be approaching something that's statistically helpful if you assume that all the samples are random. And that gets into the second problem. Even if you have 70 reviews per physician and you're trying to compare, and you might say, well, hey, Dr. K, you just said if I got 70 reviews, statistically I'm valid. Well, yes and no. The problem is the statistics assume that those 25 measurements, 70 measurements, five measurements on Google, three on Yelp, one on Kudzu are um, random. And they're not random, right? In, in statistics, they call that selection bias. But the people who actually, after they see their doctor, are motivated to go to one of these online review sites to rate you, either to rate you well or rate you terribly, that's not random. Random is you grab every fourth person who checks out at your office and say, you must do this review, uh, or you review everybody and hit everybody and try to get as big a sample as you can. But the bottom line is, if the online sites are just sitting there and people don't go to them unless they are particularly motivated, that introduces a significant selection bias. 
And I used to think it would just be a negative selection bias. You know, an unhappy patient says, I want to get revenge or whatever, so I want to get online and say Dr. K is horrible. Well, I think it goes both ways. I think there's also a positive selection bias, and the people who are uh, delighted with their doctor are equally motivated to go and tell the world how happy they are with their physician. But again, you know, a, a positive selection bias does not cancel out a negative selection bias and make everything better. It's a problem. The samples aren't random. So there's not enough samples, and what samples are they aren't random. So that's reasons one, reasons two. Reason number three is that people who are rating their doctors often don't have a chance to compare similar products. So compare and contrast this with a Consumer Reports online rating of a car. Well, the folks at Consumer Reports, whether you like them or you don't like them, you have to admit they review hundreds of cars. They review hundreds of flat screen TVs. They review hundreds of cell phones. And so they're very familiar with the range. They're very familiar with what a bad TV looks like and what a good one looks like, what a crappy car looks like and what a really good car looks like. And so when they rate, they rate with perspective. Patients don't do that, right? Patients don't go to 10 ear, nose, and throat doctors or 10 urologists or 10 family practice doctors to get an idea of what a really good one looks like and what a really bad one looks like. They don't take a big sample. They go to one. And if they go into one doctor with either unrealistically high expectations or unrealistically low expectations, it's going to skew their rating in a way that gives it more credit than it deserves. Number Four, right? Number one, not enough reviews. Number two, the reviews are not randomly selected. Number three, the reviewers don't compare similar products. Number four is that um, that that medicine is unique. I my job when I see a patient is to give the patient what they want as much as possible, but only within the bounds of appropriate medical practice. That means if a patient who's had a runny nose for a day shows up on my doorstep and wants an antibiotic, I ain't going to give it to him unless I see something very unusual or some mitigating circumstance. All other things being equal, somebody who comes in with the sniffles for one or two days is not going to get an antibiotic, and they shouldn't. But when they walk out the door, how are they going to rate Dr. K? Well, it ain't going to be five stars for sure. Or if a patient comes in wanting pain medicine inappropriately, or they have any sort of idea of what their treatment should be. And that's not terribly common, but again, think about the negative selection bias. If I make those patients angry, they're going to walk out and they might just bellyache for a while, but they also might be mad enough to go to an online review, and I haven't seen any of these in mind, by the way, but they, they go on and say, hey, Dr. K is a bad guy. He, I was sick and he didn't care, etc., etc. Which leads to problem number five with online reviews of physicians in particular, which is that we're not able to respond online in a way that helps. So, you know, if you're if you're if you give your plumber an online review, they have the opportunity to go online and, and discuss that. And we do too. I mean we can respond online to our reviews and, and I've thanked a few patients for good reviews. Um, but we can sign on to those websites as ourselves, and you have to go through a process to prove who you are and all that, which is all fine. So when you see a bad online review, you can apologize or you can discuss it, but you have to be very careful. Why? Because of privacy laws. So I can't 
get on a site and discuss the specifics of a patient's condition. If a patient says, yeah, I went to Dr. K three times and didn't get better, I can't get on there and say, well, you didn't take your medicine, you blew off three appointments and you didn't listen when I was talking to you because you were on your cell phone all the time. I can't say any of that because it violates the patient's right to privacy. And I don't have any problem with this particular aspect of a patient's right to privacy, but it doesn't give docs a level playing field to respond to the bad reviews. Now, you might say, you might say, well, you got to start somewhere, Dr. K. Uh, you know, we have to put these systems online. We got to gain experience with them. And after all, some data are better than no data, right? Well, we come across this all the time, and the answer is no. Bad data are worse than no data at all. At least with no data. You are aware of your ignorance. Bad data creates a false sense of knowledge and is leading you down the wrong direction, right? If I'm getting in the car and i got to drive 100 miles north to grandmother's house, I'm better off sitting in my house. I'm closer to grandmother's house than if I drive 50 miles south taking me away from my intended destination. So bad data are worse than no data. And the concept that we need to start somewhere and that any data is better than none is flawed. It's wrong. And so we end up in a situation that is similar to what we've seen with healthcare reform and some other areas uh, like health IT, which is that we have no problem with the concept Right? I mean, you would think that Docs for Patient Care Foundation, we're all for transparency, we're all for free market competition, we're all for public uh, review of doctor performance and being able to rate one doctor against another, we're for competition, and, and it's true. We, all for, we are for all of those things. So you might say, well, hey, Dr. K, if you're, you know, sure, you're in, uh, you're in, uh, you're in favor of all this openness and competition, etc., uh, un- until it actually happens, and gosh, you know, you feel threatened. Well, no, it's the same thing with healthcare reform and health IT. It's not the concept that we disagree with; it's the execution that we disagree, disagree with. Right? Same thing with health information technology. Love the idea of putting computers in a doctor's office, but it's the execution of that information technology. It's the regulation-driven part of it that's made – that technology has made healthcare worse instead of better. Here it's the same thing. Totally in support of the concept of openness, online you know, data, being able to compare Dr. A to Dr. B, both by performance and by price, just like you do a flat-screen TV or a cell phone or a laptop or anything else. But if you're going to do it, you got to do it right. And you've got to do it with a statistical method and an evaluation method that's worth it that actually gives patients good data. Because not only might you lead patients to bad doctors, but you might have good doctors whose livelihood and whose practice is compromised when that's not something they deserve. That's not something that's appropriate. And so it comes as no surprise that one of our sister organizations, something called Physicians Working Together, has put a uh, review, a, a petition, I should say, on change.org, has put a petition on change.org to have Yelp and HealthGrades and other major doctor rating websites to remove the online review of doctors. 
right? The petition has a goal of 35,000 signatures, and I'm looking at the count right now, and it stands at 28,141, and it hasn't been on that long. And uh, there's a statement here that comes from physicians working together, and I'll, I'll, I'll quote some of this. Um, doctors and other healthcare providers are reviewed on online review sites similar to uh, those other businesses. Well, actually, you know what? I'm, I'm over time. We're at the end of the segment. I'll pick this up. You're listening to the Doctor's Lounge on America's Web Radio. Stay with us. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Doctor's Lounge. Karuchek with you one more time. Segment four. Thanks for sticking with us. We are in the midst of a meaty subject, a controversial subject, uh, a subject that many people are passionate about on both sides of the question, which is online ratings of physicians. Uh, in the last segment, we listed several arguments, uh, five of them, uh, as to why online ratings of physicians are invalid and that the current system, although we agree with the concept of openness, transparency, compare Dr. A to Dr. B, not only on performance but price, uh, that this is not the way to do it uh, because we don't have enough data. Uh, the folks who respond online are not randomly selected and uh, in fact, they're not even verified as actual patients, right? I could, I could, if I were an unscrupulous person, a different person than I am, I could go on uh, all of my competition here in Atlanta and say Dr. X was a terrible doctor, Dr. Y was a terrible doctor, Dr. Z was a terrible doctor. They've got no way of verifying that. And so it, it's really a completely uncontrolled kind of, you know, frontier justice kind of a situation. And um, so it comes as no surprise, and I'd started to write this, or I'd started to talk about this at the end of the segment, started running over, but uh, one of our sister organizations, Physicians Working Together, has got a petition going uh, to get Yelp and HealthGrades and the other major ones to remove their online reviews of doctors. So I was in the midst of reading their statement, had to stop 
suddenly, so I'm going to hit this again. Uh, this is, comes from physicians working together. Uh, doctors and other healthcare providers are reviewed online review sites similar to other businesses. We, however, are not like those in other businesses. These online reviews are an open forum to the public written by patients who are allowed to share their stories and photos. Often these reviews are negative and accuse the doctors of complications or mismanagement from medical visits, treatments, and procedures that they have had. Um, unlike other businesses, we physicians are not allowed to respond. We're not allowed to defend ourselves because of HIPAA privacy laws, and that's true. Uh, that's a problem. We talked about that earlier. I can't get on and give my side of the story if giving my side of the story violates your privacy. Now, I don't want to violate your privacy as a patient, but that's why this whole system is flawed. It's not like a plumber who can get on there and say, well, you know, you didn't show me the leak downstairs. You only showed me the leak upstairs. So when the basement flooded, it's not my fault. We can't do that. So interesting. So this is a so to continue to quote, uh, this is a clear cut prohibition and violation of our rights to defend ourselves and protect our names and reputations. These reviews are often one sided, impact our livelihood and medical practices, uh, and it goes on and on. I'm not saying that I agree with every single sentence that they've written here, um, but it is interesting that this uh, this petition, whose goal was 35,000 signatures, has gathered uh, uh, over 28,000 signatures. So most interesting indeed. So we've talked about the problem. Now the question is how, for those of you who are physicians in the audience, how are you going to deal with that? How are we going to respond to an industry that has acted with impunity to take up a practice that has a potentially significant effect on our reputations, our livelihoods, um, our self-esteem even, uh, and is done in a way that has no checks and balances, has no accountability, and has no statistical relevance. What do we do? And that leads to a new concept that we need to discuss for the rest of the show called online reputation management. What is online reputation management? That is actions done either by yourself, or you can hire somebody to do it, to manage your image online. That includes online ratings. It's not just online ratings, but it includes managing your online ratings. And that involves potentially some practices that uh, people disagree on. The most uh, relevant one or the most noteworthy one being whether or not it's okay to solicit your happy patients for online reviews. So the idea is I take somebody's thyroid out, they come to the post-op visit, their voice is great, their incision looks great, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They were scared to death over the procedure. Now they're on the other side. They're happy. They say, gosh, Dr. K, this was great. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful. I was so scared before. It, it, those sorts of moments are the moments why we keep coming to work. There aren't too many other reasons to keep coming to work if you're a doc these days, but that's the one that drives you. And, you know, after thousands of thyroidectomies, literally, and, you know, tens of thousands of patients, that never gets old. I'll just tell you, it never gets old. But the question is, at that moment, is it appropriate to go, well, I'd like to ask you a favor. I would like you to go to a couple of online sites Give me a good rating. Hopefully you can see to give me five stars. 
put some nice comments down. Patient says, I'd be glad to do it, and they go on and do that. Is that ethical or is it not? Well, not everybody agrees. Interestingly, um, you know, I've got a Yelp account, even though I've only got three ratings there. Um, Yelp gives you some good statistics every week, how many people are hitting your, you know, how many times you're showing up in searches, how many times people are going to the website from Yelp, all that kind of stuff. But most recently, about a month ago, generous month ago, they sent out a notice with the weekly email that says, we are now, Yelp, we are now going to publish businesses who solicit reviews. We're going to do two things. One is we're going to put a consumer alert on your page that says you are soliciting reviews and you know if there's a bunch of five-star reviews here, don't trust them because they're fake. Uh, and then they're also going to do a ranking penalty. So if you search ENT doctors in Atlanta that Dr. Karuchek would disappear from the list because of allegedly bad behavior. Now, that's not happened to me. The notice just came out a month ago, but I'm just giving you – I'm using myself as the example. So uh, I disagree with that. I think that online – I think that soliciting um, happy patients to, uh, to, to, to rate you is appropriate. And I think it's appropriate because these are not statistically proven rating systems. Right? These folks are operating without accountability. They can do whatever they want to on the website. They can allow anybody off the street who, you know, decides, and I've read articles, you know, where a, you know, disgruntled spouse, you're going through a divorce, they get online, they trash you online, even though they're not a patient. I mean, like I said, I could go to any ear, nose, and throat doctor in the country and, you know, click a one star rating and make up some comments, and there's, there's no checks and balances there to stop me. Now, some sites claim to have some checks and balances on that, and there are some ways statistically to maybe figure that out. But in general, uh, it is it is the wild frontier, and our reputations and our careers can be negatively affected by bad stuff there. And it's a it's not a statistically valid system uh, at several levels. And so, in that situation, I personally do not think it's unethical for physicians to solicit online reviews from happy patients. But if you're going to do that, if you're going to do that, I think there are some rules that you need to follow. And this was nicely summarized uh, by somebody named Ron King from Vanguard Communications. And so I'm I'm just going to summarize what was in that article because I think these are good points. Number one, uh, you should only have real patients give you ratings, right? It's been suggested. I've never done it. It's been suggested that you ask your wife, your kids, your mom, your dad, your neighbors, your friends, go on there, find me online, give me five stars, say something nice. That I have a little bit of a problem with. That's that's openly fraudulent, and, and that's that's probably not good. Now, that's very different than asking somebody who is a patient of yours and that's happy because they're just telling the truth. There's a difference. However, when you're talking to, and this is point number two from this article, when you're talking to patients, you can request once, but don't pressure. You know, the idea is they say, yes, I'll do it. You keep, you check online. There's been no change in two weeks. You call them back and say, hey, you were going to give me a good rating. You know, get off your duff and do it. That is inappropriate according to this article, and I agree with that. Request, but don't pressure. I think that's appropriate. Some of these other things are, are good ideas too. And everybody in your practice, all the patients that walk through your door, 
the happy ones, the unhappy ones, the folks that are happy but had some kind of issue so they're not real happy, but whoever needs to have an opportunity to give you feedback. Needs to be able to, if they're happy, they should give you that feedback. If they're unhappy, they should be able to vent. And the idea from a online reputation management standpoint is that if you can give the unhappy patients a chance to vent directly to you, then the odds that they go public with that on a five-star rating system is considerably less. And that's a good thing all around. That might be a positive effect of all of these online rating systems is it's making doctors worry more about customer service. So as much as I'm bashing the online rating systems for all these lack of statistical validity, et cetera, et cetera, the bottom line is we're sitting here talking about customer service. And that's not all bad. I think that's a good thing because then the other things here are if you have a critical review, you can review that. You can respond to it publicly, and you can actually turn a bad thing into a good thing. If a patient's online, they say, yeah, Dr. K stinks. He did X, Y, and Z. If I respond to that and say, well, I'm very sorry that you had an issue. Um, I'm disappointed with how we handled it. I apologize. Give us the chance to make it right. But i got to do all that without violating their privacy online then you might come out looking better. You might give the patient what they really wanted in the first place, and everybody wins, including the unhappy patient, and that's a good thing. And then the last thing is on here, which is trite but true, which is just do a good job. I mean, it's you, know, you can't fix a bad practice that's getting bad reviews by patching it up with online reputation management. If some of those reviews that you read, some of those negative reviews, and I've looked at mine, we all have them, if you can learn something and you can go back and talk to your administrator, your assistant, look at yourself in the mirror and come up with better ways to do things, that's not a half bad idea either. But the key to this process is to be proactive. And this is just stuff that I'm getting into. I, you know, I started my own website a couple of months ago. It's working out very well. But one thing you can't do, I only got a minute left to preach, is docs, don't ignore this. Make yourself a website if you don't have one. And I've decided that your practice website, if you're in a large group practice and, you know, the landing page of your website looks like your high school yearbook with all these little tiny pictures of doctors' faces, like ours does, that's not enough. No one's going to pick you out of that and say, there's a nice guy or a nice lady. I'm going to go see them because of a little tiny postage stamp size picture. I made my own website, karuchak-ent.com. It's helped a lot. I'm getting a lot of new referrals, and it looks a whole lot better than the other. That's number one. Number two, you need to go to all of these online doctor rating systems, Google, Healthgrades, RateMDs, who am I forgetting, Kudzu, Rate, I think I'm repeating myself. Go to every single one of those. Claim the site is yours and go in there and add your demographics, add a picture. The, you know, Yelp gives you an opportunity to make a statement. Do all these things. Uh, I'm out of time. Uh, don't let this slide. Don't ignore it. Uh, and thanks very much. You've been listening to The Doctor's Lounge on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.